Hello, Guardians. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me, as always, is the Hylian Shield, the master, the the fire to my hot air balloon, the uh, the the rocket to my jetpack, Josh Finney. It's been a week. It's been a, it's been a good week for me it's at least. Been a, it's been a week for, for me at least. It's been a good week. Uh, it's been a week of uh, not a lot of sleep, but uh, it's been a good week. And that's as you couldn't tell by Corey's intro. Tears the kingdom is out. Out. We are playing ten uh, million copies in forty-eight hours. Yeah, that's. That's actually insane. I, for reference, the third highest selling franchise or entry in the Legend of Zelda franchise is Twilight Princess at ten million copies. Lifetime. That's across the Wii U and the Switch. Wii U, Switch, and or Wii Wii U, Wii and yeah, I'm so used to saying Switch. It's across three platforms. Ocarina of Time also across multiple platforms. That's at 14 million, and then Breath of the Wild is 30.7. This is this is going to eclipse 15 <laughs> by the end of May easily. I it might and eclipse 15 by the end of the week. Uh, I mean, genuinely, because you think about when it released. Uh, I have a few. It, fr- I have some friends who have kids that are like, you know, 11, 12 years old, and they're like, "No, you cannot have this game until you, we will not buy it for you until school is over." And so, when school is out in a couple of weeks, get ready. There's going to be another spike. Yep, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be that. It's gonna it is be, the uh, fastest selling Nintendo game ever in North America. Yeah, and worldwide, the only game that Nintendo's ever released that has matched it was uh, Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet last year. Yeah, and uh, this game is, uh, we'll say, a uh, higher quality <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's already like a top fifteen selling game on the platform. That's yeah. Just, I mean, th- first off, that's bonkers for this game, but that's also shows you like just what an insane amount of software t- attachment rate Nintendo games have. Yeah, I mean, the Switch has like a almost like a ten to one attach rate, which is insane. At, I, and I know like we we have a lot of season of the deep uh, prep info to talk about tonight, but we we wanted to talk. Corey and I both wanted to talk Zelda to mm-hmm. start tonight off because that's what literally everybody has been playing. Uh, the Discord has just been filled with people. Talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Nerd's been texting me about it. Um, I'm in yeah. text chains with a bunch of friends, just like sharing Korok uh, crucifixion videos and Gundams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy, man. Like uh, Stephanie and I have been texting back and forth about it. Mm-hmm. And it's been like, <laughs> oh, did you see this? So like, we actually have a similar amount of gameplay time into the game, but we both went in different directions Mm -hmm. and we're like, like she didn't, uh, uh, well, this was like a couple days ago, I guess, but like, she didn't know about like the, the dragon tears. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause she, she didn't go on the linear path. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I, I told her about it and she, she was like kind of freaking out about it. And like, she told me something about, uh, some, something on one of the sky islands that I wasn't aware of. And it was like, and this story, there, this game is just so full of stories. And I mean, you and I have been talking before we started recording about stuff that, like, you know, you went one way first and I went the other way. And it's like, 
It, it's just ugh, this game. It's <sighs> so it's funny. It both <laughs> it both holds your hand more than and less than Breath of the Wild. Um, yeah. It feels like they tried to give you a more definitive, hey, go here to start everything mm-hmm. um, type of guidance, which I remember kind of fondly from Breath of the Wild. I remember leaving the Great Plateau and pretty much like hauling ash straight to Kakariko Village, um, which I was glad that I did eventually because that, you know, led me to Heterno and everything else. And then after that's when I just fucked off and explored. Um, yeah. This one it it throws you into the world and it's it's kind of assuming that you played the first one it's kind of assuming you played breath of the wild but i remember my main gripe being like four or five hours in and i'm like i still don't have the goddamn paraglider how do i get this did i miss something in the tutorial like it's kicking me off of the big sky island and i don't have a glider Mm -hmm. and then you know i I, I finally get it Yeah, yeah you you finally get it um and I, I followed their little directions uh, to go to the Wind Temple, so I hit the first tier pretty much right away. And at that point, I was like, "Oh, I know what I want to do." So I was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do the first temple. I'm gonna go to the first temple." And by the way, the Wind Temple, God, just the ascent to the Wind Temple is without spoiling it is one of the greatest crafted video game levels I've ever encountered. The I can't believe that this is running on a switch when I go and I know, do the I, ascent to the wind. The, <laughs> the wind temple specifically, climbing up to it is one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in a game, I think. And I've said wow. that like four or five times already in this game. Like, goddamn, I've never seen this in a game before. Yeah, it's uh I was let's see, I did I was doing something and I was just like I was I was kind of building all this stuff and and kind of just exploring and i was just kind of like man i cannot believe how much they shoved into this game and how like the fact that this game is only 16 gigs right yeah or 17 or something like it's it's insane it's it's ridiculous i what i can't get over is they kept an entire third of the game completely secret despite the leaks yeah, it was like whoever leaked the game just basically like there was like this unspoken rule like we're not going to spoil that this is in the game. Yeah, um, I would say to anybody who is wondering what I'm talking about after you do the first your first temple or whatever, because I don't believe you can get the quest until after that. Go back to Lookout Landing and talk with uh, Robbie and uh, Joshua underneath the uh, the awning. They will give you a mission to go to one of those gigantic red and black booty holes that you see out there mm-hmm. and your quest literally is jump in mm-hmm. jumping in is one of the most terrifying experiences mm-hmm. i've had in a game because the music changes and becomes all sinister as you're diving in and it's pitch fucking black down there my friends yep. the shit i have found down there in my limited amount of exploring and the quests I did include a brand new power, which is very useful. If you are fun, if you are enjoying crafting vehicles and weird contraptions, this is the fucking power for you. There are story beats that are picked up on from breath of the wild that I did not think they were going to touch on again. Um, there are chests you can find that contain all of these special armor items from the amiibo. 
They are scattered throughout the depths, along with, uh, you can get weapons that are not corrupted down there, which is very nice. It is just a treasure, tre and that's where you want to go to mine the, uh, the Zonite, so you can get more charges for wackier contraptions. And be able to fly yeah. further and shit like, it's just, this game is so intricate. It's a Zelda game for the Minecraft and TikTok generation. <laughs> that's the best way i can describe it because i i saw somebody and god bless them they had to have been like i think they were like 18 19 years old they were like i don't understand how anybody is arguing that breath of the wild is the better game over this other than like it did it first and i i think nerd made the same argument like other than it did it first mm -hmm. and all i'm gonna say is i think for those of us who are very not creative and are just happy to have four wheels and a plank of wood that works Mm -hmm. Breath of yeah, the Wild I mean, that's a... is in some ways the superior game, but I'm having so much fun. It doesn't matter if you're bad at the building. The thing is, the thing is, is that the game, if you don't want to engage in the building all that often, like they give you all the tools you need in the area where you need to solve a puzzle just to get it done. Right. But then they give yeah. you the tools to build like these crazy contraptions. Like I was telling you, like, I want to like, I want to get all the story stuff out of the way so I can go back and like just fuck around, you know, like just kind of go in and like do whatever I want. So I, um, like... well, we were, we were talking about different paths. Um, I've taken everybody that I've talked to has taken a different, nobody has taken even remotely the same path other than like a lot of us went to the wind temple first and then just kind of like fucked off. Yeah. And I, I, See, urged... I didn't go to the wind temple first. I went, I went, uh, because, uh, <laughs> We were trying to figure out because uh, Breath of the Wild is is our book club game for my other podcast for the next couple months. Ooh. And uh, we were like, we need we need at least a guiding direction. Uh, and once we found out like what that first kind of major story beat where like the four kind of phenomena show up on your map, we were like, mm -hmm. let's head to the northeast and work our way counterclockwise. And uh, so that's kind of like where my brain has been at because we've been yeah. trying to, you know, because like the last couple book clubs, we've we had Hogwarts Legacy, which is pretty linear. And then Resident Evil 4, which is obviously this is just such a different linear. beast. Yeah. Um, I saw and I, I saw a quote this week that basically it was um, the producer of the Zelda series who I mean, part of the reason these games are so good is because it's been the same staff for like 30 years. They have very little turnover at Nintendo. They just add to the team. Yeah. Like, people retire and, like, their apprentices come up. Like, that is the team to be on at Nintendo, is the Zelda team. Um, yeah. And it was... The it fact was, that this... The fact that these games were, like, <laughs> were directed by the Skyward Sword director is incredibly... Like, it's almost laughable at this point, right? Like... I mean, yeah, the, the producer of... So, the producer of the series, his last game directed was Twilight Princess, I believe. Um, but he, he was responsible for Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. Um, he largely took over overseeing the franchise from Shiro Miyamoto after, uh, Ocarina mm -hmm. of Time. Right. And it's just, it's wild to see him, him talking about this. He goes, so I don't think that we can ever go back after doing Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Like, this is kind of what you can expect from Zelda going forward, which mm -hmm. I think is amazing, but it's also, like, extremely daunting. I 
personally have, I've actually, and I'm not exaggerating this, I genuinely have felt overwhelmed in this world in a way I did not mm-hmm. with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, I felt like I was at home. It was a bigger, yeah. more interesting Skyrim to me. This mm-hmm. one, I was like, okay, so there, there's islands and stuff. And then I fell into a hole for the first time, and I realized there was an entire other map down there. And I just got completely overwhelmed. I, I I had to get out of there. I put the game down. I saved. I got out of there. Put the game down. Came back a few hours later because I was just like, I cannot physically handle thinking about there's an entire other game map in this game right now. And yeah. I had just started figuring out that caves are pretty deep dives. You can jump into any well in the game. And it's like a little mm-hmm. mini area that it could be just like a little chest down there or an NPC. Or it could be this whole expansive system you have to go through to find shrines and the new mm-hmm. powers and everything. It's just, it's so much to take in and that's without even engaging in the super building aspects. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I told you like I went off and I hunted the, t- the, you know, titular tears of the kingdom. I went off and mm-hmm. solved that mystery already way earlier than I probably was supposed to went off and did right. all that. And that led to me jumping on dragons and shit, um, farming materials there. I did that for an entire mm-hmm. afternoon. That was fun. Um, you know, I, I've done all the towers. I'm just now working my way back to doing shrines. Cause I'm like, Oh shit, I've done three of these temples and they definitely would have been easier if I had more hearts, but yeah, to do a certain story beat, especially as early as you do do it, you have to have two full stamina wheels. So I had to dump 20 shrine blessings into nothing but stamina. Gross. And that hurt. That hurt to do that because it's not one of those where like, oh, why didn't you, you just why didn't you just cook anything? You can't like, cook things. You can't. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. It does you can't not count. Get extra. Nope. nope. The game does not allow you. Hmm. That's so new. there's a there's a door at the very beginning of the game when you're finishing up on the first island where uh, it, may, it, try, it makes you try to open it with three hearts and you're not able to. So you have to go get the last shrine blessing and then get another heart container. When you have four, you're able to open it. There is a beat like that, but with stamina wheels. And you have to have two full stamina wheels in order to do it. Mm. And okay. yeah, I've, I watched one too many. Because I tried to do it the first time with a yellow stamina wheel. Does not count. Must be two full green bars. Gross. Gross, but one of the absolute... I have said this four or five different times in this game already. It is one of the coolest fucking things I've seen in a game. And I just got done saying this about my run of Jedi Survivor. Like, God damn, they did so many things I loved in this game. I Jedi Survivor enjoyed a very nice 10 days as the best game of the year for me. <laughs> I, I don't see how anything... I've probably put about 35 hours into this game so far in the last week. I've done a lot of this game. That's less than I thought I was going to, but I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I don't see how anything beats this game this year. No. I say I that don't. as someone I... who has loved the Diablo beta and will play probably hundreds of hours of Diablo 4 this summer. I say that as somebody who has never disliked the Bethesda, uh, 76 notwithstanding, never disliked a Bethesda game like or rated it below like a 9.5. Mm-hmm. I love Spider-Man. I don't. Everybody's fighting for second place right now. This yeah, is. I feel like I feel like the closest game is probably going to be Diablo this year. Yeah, probably. It, it all depends on. How, I would say it all depends on how polished Starfield is. 
Um, it's a Bethesda game. I wouldn't really count on. It's not, but I mean, that's a whole nother conversation entirely. Um, tune in around <laughs> the E3 time to hear my thoughts on that one. Um, it's E3. Just, what not e3 uh keely miss that's what we're gonna call it we're gonna call it a no it's called keely three keely three yeah there we go k3 um i have really just like this is one of those games it's funny i look at it and i'm like huh i don't know if i'm ready to put this in my top three yet the floor for this game this is how absurdly good this franchise's track record is the floor for this game is a top five game in the series and it's still getting 10 out of 10s it is the highest rated one of the highest rated games of all time on metacritic with a 96 it is the highest rated game on open critic of all time with a 99 out of 99 out of 100 critics recommending it there was one review one review from like ge gfinity esports or something that circulated oh yeah they gave it like a six out of ten i was like get the fuck out of here i never get mad about reviews and i was like just get the fuck out of here like admit that you're not good at the game and score it higher why why is an esports like you know what i mean like why is an esports website reviewing the legend of zelda are they gonna add multiplayer like machine cart racing in this oh that'd be cool though that would be really cool yeah, right. The Switch would blow up in your hands if they had multiplayer to this. Yeah, that, that's the only other thing I wanted to kind of address. <laughs> so I bought a brand new Switch to play this game. I bought the OLED Switch. I wanted better performance. Um, even playing in docked mode, I've had so many frame rate drops. And I don't think mm-hmm. that it's a deal breaker, but I do think it like it needs to be addressed. Like, Not like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm going to go on a crusade with Nintendo. Like, It's just... Yes, you can score it it's a 10 fine. out of 10, but I think like we need like a little addendum here. Like, hey, there are so and listen, I, I'm done saying like, well, it's Nintendo, so it's an underpowered console. Like, no, these are the same gripes I had about Breath of the Wild six years ago. I was really hoping they would have improved by now. Yeah, but I also think like, man, I, I was I was the it's a Nintendo said, game argument is getting a little stale. No, and I say that as someone no, who's like who, favorite franchise ever is Zelda. No, the I I was uh somebody I forget if it was Tom Warren or or Paul Tassi or something that said if if Tears of the Kingdom isn't the Switch's swan song, it should be, right? Yeah. And then there's all that stuff that came out that said, you know, their console's progressing nicely and uh but it's not coming out until like what next spring in the earliest. It, like, it's projected. It's, it's currently projected based on like manufacturing timelines and stuff to be uh late March, early April. Yeah, I I th- I think that's too soon to be. I I don't, I I don't at all. I this game is it's pushing the console to its limit. Uh, my girlfriend yeah. plays on a launch uh, a launch edition Switch. Um, I bought hers three months after launch, and mm. that thing sounded like it was being cleared for takeoff in handheld mode. I'm not even joking. It sounded like it was taken off. Um, She's even gotten to the point where she's like, yeah, I think I need to play this on the TV. Not just because of like the handheld performance. The handheld performance is staggeringly good. I do want to yeah. note that. I'm, I'm not trying to rip it. It actually performs better than Fire Emblem Three Houses did in a lot of respects, which is sad. Um, well, Three Houses was not uh, Nintendo developed, though. So You I can know. tell that Monolith worked on this game, though. And that's a very good thing. You can tell yeah. Monolith handled a lot of the optimization for this game. Because um, if you never yeah. played Xenoblade Chronicles, those games are fucking huge. Yeah, well, they they did a lot of the uh, like the world map building yeah. too. I, I so. think it also helps like 
that you were able to largely keep the same map intact and just change certain things on it. Mm-hmm. So you could focus the you could have the team focus on building the sky islands and the depths, mm-hmm. but also like building out caves and uh, what do you call it? Um, the wells and things like that. You you could build mm-hmm. that shit out. You could build out the temples. I don't know how you sit down and go. All right, we got to make these temples and the puzzles engaging and at least somewhat challenging in a game where you can build fucking Gundams. <laughs> and I mean, the result is the Wind Temple is one of the most memorable experiences, or at least getting up to the Wind Temple is one of the most memorable experiences I've had in the Zelda game maybe ever. Yeah. Like, not just in this game, but it's like, damn, uh, there's a sequence in uh, sequence near Death Mountain that you go through that is just... I would have laughed you out of the room if you told me three years ago that this was going to happen. If you would have told me pre-motorcycle that this was going to happen, I would have laughed you out of the room. Pre-motorcycle. I forgot that the last one. But it's like, you can very clearly see the parts of this where this was intended to be a DLC. You can very clearly tell the parts that were intended to be that. And I I do believe that that the Sky Islands were supposed to be the DLC. I pretty firmly believe that. And at least the first iteration of crafting was supposed to be the last DLC. I've never been so happy to see something get canceled and then resurrected as a full game. They knew what they had. It was fucking gold. Somebody watched too many YouTube videos at the office and said, we should just give them a whole game of doing wacky shit. (laughs) Like we were, we were up to like three months ago and I was still seeing trick shot videos from Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I it's nuts. Weapon fusing once you get the hang of it is great. I'm finally thirty five hours in. I'm finally getting used to it. Yeah, I just fuse a bunch of shit before I go into fights. Yeah, I mean I've been I've been fusing a lot of stuff too. Uh, also, it really helps when your amiibo grant you things that are like uh, yes. I have like a, I have a plus twenty eight and a plus thirty five shield that I'm just kind of hanging on to. I got a plus right forty eight shield out of one of mine earlier. And I got a plus 50 bow. Those nice. things are being saved for the end, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're being saved until I set foot in Hyrule Castle. But yeah, yeah all, all around, I don't know if this is quite cracking my top four. Just, my top four is pretty impenetrable for the franchise. At least my top three is. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like I want to finish the game before I give my yeah kind of final take and like let it settle right because like i thought about that for breath for breath of the wild and i was like man like this has to be recency bias i love this game this is i knew knew, no joke i knew within the first 10 hours that breath of the wild was an all-timer yeah and i was like and but like i did not have the same feeling here six months go by the dlc dlc comes out you know a year goes by and i'm like you know, now it's six, like six years. And before this game came out, like I've still thought about breath of the wild, like all yeah. the time. And I'm like, this, this is, this is, this is number one for me. It, the last Zelda like, game, the last Zelda game to do that, that, like captivate me in a way that breath of the wild did was wind waker. Yeah. I mean, I I've said it before, like, you know, my top, my top three is, you know, breath of the wild wind waker and Ocarina of time in that order. And it's funny because like, it's the only franchise where I constantly have, a i was talking to nerd about this where whenever there's a new like life-altering installment of the franchise it unseats Mm -hmm. the previous one for me 
like ocarina was the first 3d one like for me that was you know my first zelda that was my first like open world action game i was seven when i played ocarina like i never looked back from there you, you want to talk about the games that made us fall in love with gaming ocarina is at the top of my list it's ocarina yeah. and pokemon red like yeah. halo may have been what made me go i want to work in this industry forever like i want to do this when i become an adult but i don't mm-hmm. get there without zelda i don't get there without pokemon and yeah. you know majora's didn't hit me the same way that it did a lot of other people mm-hmm. wind waker was magical it was like playing a pixar it was like a pixar movie it was fantastic mm-hmm. that game's still amazing still, I, still amazing why i i can't believe the hd versions of those games have not come to switch yet like i'm shocked i'm, I'm, I'm shocked they're sitting in a vault somewhere and it's pissing me off i know the same way that metroid prime was sitting just sitting yeah. waiting you know, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see them come out before the end of the year. See, my see, my theory is, and they're gonna ride, they're gonna ride the Zelda wave. I I think, I think the next year and a half for this console are gonna be full of like smaller games, like a like a Kirby or a or a Yoshi or something like that, and a bunch of ports. Whatever Wii yeah. U ports are left. You know, maybe maybe we finally get Xenoblade Chronicles X. Maybe we finally get, you know, the two Zelda games. Maybe we get a rework Star Fox. But it's gonna be it's gonna be ports. I mean, I'm I'm at the right. point where I'm, like you said, you know, either Tom Warren or Paul Tassi or somebody said that this if this isn't the swan song, it needs to be. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pikmin's not gonna be nearly as taxing on the console, obviously, but mm-hmm. this really is like in terms of like a, a, an all out experience. I think this kind of has to be it. I think the next console launches with Metroid Prime Four. See, I'm under I'm under the impression that the next console is launching with whatever the uh, Odyssey team is working on. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think that they realized that uh, Metroid Prime Four was not going to run as well as they wanted it to on this system. Um, yeah, but I mean, I grant it remaster or whatever, but like Metroid Prime remastered is like it's like a technical wizardry on this console the fact that it runs that well I mean, that that's fine but i just i i don't know i think they really would love for that to be the technical showcase you have yeah. mario there to make the sales you have metroid there to show the power of the system especially yeah. if they want something to like because i don't think they're trying to compete with like the power of like xbox and playstation mm-hmm. anymore i think they're trying to get on like the like the entry level steam deck level yeah, I mean that would be probably, I would say a little bit more powerful than that at this point, but yeah. just because the Steam Deck's been out for a while, but. But I mean that that's I mean, and I like, like it doesn't it doesn't ha- like I would like a PS4 Pro level power maybe. Yeah, at this you point. might be able to that's do that. Really reasonable. I feel like you could do that. Yeah, yeah. I and think, I think like, I think they've got enough goodwill from the Switch that they could charge, like four hundred dollars for it, and people would still buy it, right? Like. I know they want to keep the price down, but yeah, I feel like three like three fifty four hundred is pretty fair in today's day and age to mm-hmm. charge, especially if it's going to be something you can still take portable. Right, because um, that, like, that's the, the thing the... is Nintendo can never go back from that. Yeah, if they try to do a home console, that like they're that's that's the dumbest move they think they've made ever. I, I I read once and it was like about it was actually pretty recently about like how everybody has an area that they're kind of like locking down that they're like the experts in. And like it was like kind of sarcastic. Why do you think that Xbox never entered the handheld market and why PlayStation exited it? It's because Nintendo got in there 
they did it right. They chased Sega out of it. They chased Neo Geo out of it. And then they just asserted their dominance repeatedly for like the next 15, 20 years to the point where now their home console does what they were always the absolute Kings at, which is on the go fun games. Like, Sony is kind of, you know, Sony's starting to nail down, v- they're trying to nail down VR, and, you know, they're really nailing down those those uh, <laughs> cinematic <they> <laughs> experiences, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I love Nintendo, but, like, a lot of their games aren't, like, super deep, let's be honest. Yeah, and, I mean, I mean, Zelda and maybe Metroid are about as deep as it gets, you know? And even that, even those, like, it really took until... I mean, outside of Zelda, it really took until the GameCube for Metroid games to really be, like, super deep, I would say, story-wise. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. those three games, and then, like, oh, we just, like, kind of forgot that Metroid existed. Mm-hmm. So, like, we t- uh, we're we going to get to Destiny. This is my, my final thoughts on this, just, like, on Zelda as a whole, I think, is, like, we talk about the franchises that everyone knows in gaming. And it's, like, it's Mario... It's Zelda. It's Pokemon. Uh, you probably at Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. Minecraft. I mean, it's a very small exclusive club. Once upon a time, Halo was in that club. The world literally yeah. used to stop for Halo games. Like for anybody who yeah. wants to doubt, like the Halo One and Two had an attachment rate of like eighty percent on the OG Xbox. That's fucking wild. Yeah. I would, I would, I would say the last time the world stopped for Halo was when. I, I would, you know, I would say Reach, but I would actually say I think a lot 4. of people were excited for Halo 4 because Halo <clears> is coming back. Master Chief was coming back. Yeah, right? for, for like, all Force faults, I mean, Force still cleared like 14 million copies worldwide. Yeah, I, I'm a 4 defender. I really, I'm a four I really defender. liked 4. Um, but I mean, that that's, you know, irregardless. It's like there are, there are a few franchises that the world stops for. Zelda has mm-hmm. finally become one of those. It used to be like, oh, just the industry like really stopped for it. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild changed that. And I think it's because it launched with a console. I mean, I've, I've shared that if that game had not come out with the Switch, I would not have bought a Switch day one. I I bought a Wii U and I still bought the Switch day one for this thing. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, it's wild. Like, I remember when the Switch came out, the sales of Breath of the Wild on the Switch were greater than the amount of consoles sold. Mm-hmm. People were getting yeah, it to be ready. Attach rate. Yeah, yeah, they they were getting it to be ready. Uh, I also know, like, I personally know somebody who bought the Master Sword Edition because that was only for the Switch. Um, mm-hmm. He bought that even though he was not going to be able to get a Switch for like another year or so because he really wanted the goodies that came with it. And yeah. I'll be honest, I love my Shake a Slate case. So, yeah, I still have a I still have a case downstairs from that. Um, yeah, the case. My Master but... Sword sits out in the living room. It's it's fantastic, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll do maybe one more Zelda check-in uh, next week. Yeah, just, uh, I just uh, if you guys are playing, if you guys are are playing, don't be afraid to write questions in about Zelda if you really want to, because uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean this this thing is not leaving. I mean this thing's not leaving my Switch probably for the rest of the year. Yeah, to be honest, like I I. So in Breath of the Wild, I did all the shrines and I found all the Korok seeds and I upgraded all the armor and I 100% of the map. So, uh, and I did that gradually over like six months, I think. <laughs> so, um, you know, I will probably do that again with this game. Uh, as I, you know, after I 
finish the main stuff, I'll probably just like lay in bed or whatever for a half hour, yeah. an hour at night and just looking for Koroks or whatever. Yeah, um, I gave up somewhere around like 200 Korok seeds, I think. I've already done like 80 of them in this one. Don't be a quitter, Josh. I'm going to be a quitter. I'm absolutely going to be a quitter. <laughs> I got I got too much other shit to get to this year, man. Just like in the next month and a half alone, I've got Diablo and uh, Final Fantasy. So, Yeah, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 16 is going to be another one that's like, ugh, I, I can't wait to play that. I hope, I hope. <laughs> I hope it's good. I hope it's uh, it looks like a banger. It looks like an absolute banger. But Corey, let's uh, let's shift to some Destiny talk. This is the Tower Casuals, after all. I I guess we could probably talk about Destiny since this is a Destiny. Show. I guess we can talk about it because of this. Um, can I ask, can I ask you a question? You can like, ask me anything. When was the, what when was the last time you actually sat down and like actually like played Destiny? Not just like to check in and do a bounty or do you know, a couple strikes or whatever, but like actually sat down and played Uh, last week, actually leading up to Zelda. Um, I was finishing up some of the seal requirements with uh, Ronnie and Aaron. We were uh, doing the legend battlegrounds and uh, doing uh, some Vex caliber runs to finish up the requirements for the seal. Did that with some guardian game stuff. Got my champ title. Nice. So uh, had, had to do it, but uh, yeah, no, uh, we had to do. We had to take a break from Zelda, or I had to take a break from Zelda on both Friday and Sunday to finish the battlegrounds. And uh, I remember them teasing me. They were like, "So are you just like logging in to do this, then going straight back?" Like, "Yep, <laughs> I'm, I'm headed straight back to Zelda." I crammed that seal in uh, at like the eleventh hour to make sure that uh, this whole next week I was doing nothing but Zelda. Um. We we got the yeah, uh, smart I guess we got a weapon you know? changes uh, weapon changes uh, blog weapon changes yesterday um, it's very largely exotic focused but there are some other like pretty key changes that we're going to talk about um, that happened here uh, Corey I, I found what you what you were talking about beforehand Corey's like I could have sworn we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, when I had this set out uh, that was a PV that was mainly PVP changes that you guys talked about. Um, no, th- this wasn't a couple weeks ago. This was probably a couple months ago. Oh well, then that was, like that was part way through the season. That was yeah. That was well. That was for the season twenty one or for the season twenty patch. Then this is this is all brand new. Yeah. It's all brand new. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we talk about weapon changes are coming all the time. And we do just... because it's a live service FPS. Um, so hip fire reticles and field of view uh have been changed. Um, rebuilt reticles for the following weapon types so they move more visibly at high field of view while still conveying current state of the weapon accurately that's fusion rifles, hand cannons, sidearms and trace rifles, plan to update other weapon reticles in a similar way in a future release, shotgun reticles also now scale with FOV such as that the reticle will closely match the pellet spread regardless of your selected FOV and note that as of lightfall they dynamically scale with shotgun pellet spread angle changes Um, so basically just helping a little bit um, so that you can see more accurately where your shit's hitting um, I know that I've seen things before, like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And, well, now it makes a little bit more sense. Um, charge meters, uh, fusion rifle charge, and sword guard energy are critical aspects of these weapons, which until now required relying on cues built into the weapons, visuals, or audio. We have updated their hip fire reticles to include this information as well. Fusion rifles will have a charge meter under the reticle, and sword reticles now show current sword guard energy. So swords are going to function like uh, glaives and fusion rifles, well... You don't have to uh, have a hope and a prayer that it's ready to go. 
Uh, experimental aim down sights reticle. Um, they're going to try this out on Shayuras. Um, mm. Yeah, now has an aim down sights reticle that reacts to the weapon's accuracy and auto aim state and ties into red reticle, meaning this will change color when an enemy that's within this weapon's engagement range is under the reticle. I actually really like this and I want to see how this plays out. Um, I think that this this is definitely a change that will help in PvP, especially. Uh, so I'm curious to see because I think that SMGs are the type of weapon that's going to benefit the most from this by far. Yeah, yeah. And then there's custom exotic weapon reticles um, that are going to get them. Um, charge meter added to exotic weapons whose base weapon type doesn't typically have charge meter. Devil's Ruin, Salvation Script, and Grand Overture. Um, perk counter shows pips for perked shots, such as Quicksilver Storm, Ace of Spades, Lumina, and Traveler's Chosen. Uh, progress meter shows perk buildup for Manticore, and then perk active when exotic perk is active for Hawkmoon, Agers, Terraba, Touch of Malice. Chrysesia, Trinity Ghoul, and the Vex Mythoclast. Um, so just a lot of quality of life changes there <clears throat> that are going to alert you to alternate firing modes. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally forgotten that I have a, a charged shot for Vex. Um, so I'm very happy to hear that. Weapon uh, inspecting, you can now uh, turn them around 360, this and armor pieces, like you were able to uh, Sparrows for years and years sparrows and ghost shells so i'm glad that it finally got added here this is a little baffling that we're in like year seven of the game and it took us this long to get it but uh yeah yeah that's uh that's mm. yeah so this change applies to your inventory and also when inspecting ornaments in the eververse store uh they have uh these tech improvements have had compounding benefits enabling us to also allow you to rotate ships and preview their contrails We've also removed depth of field blur from our weapon, ship, and armor preview screens to allow you see all the angles of your gear better. Good, because I'm getting really tired of only being able to see like half of my gauntlet. Yeah, I'm this. I feel like this change is like really late. I feel like this. I don't know. I like. I guess I never really thought about it, but now that they're bringing it up, I'm like, this should have been here for a while. I also, guess, like while we're know? talking about like web uh, armor inspection, like can we get it to like where you hold both gauntlets up because sometimes they're radically different looks. Yeah, that's true. Or like on the default one, it's like the shitty side, and you're not seeing the cool side. Like let me let me see both of them. Just put the fists up, man. Put them up. Put them up. Let's go. Uh, full auto melee is a thing. I know uh, John in particular is really excited about this one. Um, that's a weird. That's a weird one, right? I I mean, I know it's probably like an accessibility. It's an thing, accessibility thing, yeah. As much as a you know, just a. I mean, look, full auto weapons. I'm like, yeah, let's go. All my weapons, full auto. But like, well, so uh, it is melee? worth noting that uh, full auto melee does not just include hitting with your fists. Uh, fist, charged melee, sword, glaive, or roaming super melee by holding down the appropriate input. Uh, this is definitely like a carpal tunnel accessibility thing. Uh, John in particular was saying that uh, he's like, yeah, it makes it really like annoying to use a glaive or a sword uh, because, you know, I I'm old and I have, you know, issues with carpal tunnel. So, uh, you know, mashing the same button repeatedly to, you know, to do melee attacks really sucks. Uh, so I know he's excited about this one. Um, I personally probably will not be turning this on. I still play on a controller, so it doesn't bother me. I'm pulling a trigger as opposed to like mashing keys on a keyboard. Right. Um, and then we've got weapon archetype changes. PC players. PC players, yeah. man. Uh, even though I know John largely plays on controller. Um, <laughs> weapon archetypes. Uh, bows. 
there's a specific change uh, being made to Tyranny of Heaven, which is the uh, the last wish bow. Uh, Tyranny of Heaven's stats were always weirdly low, and we were touching these weapons anyways, so we opted updated stats while we were in there. This is a very interesting uh, phrase, because this kind of indirectly confirms that Last Wish is getting a weapon refresh, uh, that its weapons are going to be updated, and it sounds like it's going to be as early as next Tuesday. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the raid I would have picked to get updated weapons. I mean... Because I guess Vault still works. I guess Vault is, Vault is still fine in terms of its perk pool for the most part. It kind of had to be this or Garden, and both of them are just super underwhelming loot pools. They were underwhelming when they came out. They're underwhelming now. <clears throat> There's no reason to go chase them. But the exciting part is this probably means that they're going to be craftable, too. Um, yeah. Kudos That's to, the big thing, right? Yeah, kudos to everyone who wants to go run Last Wish. Uh, I know this got John re-energized to go do some runs. Uh, personally, I this is not going to move the needle on it for me. I think it's a really cool looking set of weapons, but I just, uh, as I said to him yesterday, when we were talking about this, this specific nugget, I'm playing less destiny right now than I have in the last like five years. Like this is the least I've probably played over the last six months since, uh, before shadow keep came out, like probably since like mid forsaken, this is the least I've played, but I'm enjoying the game more. I'm not feeling like I'm like, killing myself to finish things i'm still like very comfortably mm-hmm. finishing my season pass and all the story content and whatnot but it's about you know it's about time division you know you look at these massive games like i'm trying to you know enjoy jedi survivor and i went straight into zelda i'm going to go straight into diablo and final fantasy like yeah these are like i mean 40 40 to 100 hour games easily in diablo like diablo is even more right i mean like they have estimated that's... that the finish the Diablo season pass in season one with the game with the game launch is probably going to take around 100, 120 to one hundred and fifty hours. That's that's a that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I will. I mean, I'll be grinding out Diablo for sure. And then I mean, August is another one that I'm I'm really scared of. There's another Destiny season coming out with the reprised raid, but that is Armored Core, Baldur's Gate, a Destiny season, and Starfield all coming out in a twelve day span. Yeah. To say nothing of when Spider-Man is coming out in September or October, whatever they decide to launch that. So it's it's a very terrifying time for my wallet and for my free time. Something's got to give. And unfortunately, it's going to be the game that is ongoing. Um, yeah. Destiny's going to kind of get the brunt of that a little bit. Like it's the beginning of a new season. So like, I'm going to get in and do the story stuff. But like as far as like grinding, like that's going to have to wait a few weeks, you know? This mm-hmm. this time around, it's like okay, I wanted to get as much I wanted to get as much Zelda in as I could before Tuesday because we've got a dungeon dropping next Friday as well. Like I want to be able to do the dungeon and like thank God I don't have to like level up, I don't have to power up for it or anything. But right. nonetheless, it's still one of those that you're like, oh, what the fuck, man? Um, <laughs> I don't have time for reprised raids, is what I'm getting at. I I enjoy raiding, but uh, this is the least I've done a new raid in its launch season in three years. Like mm-hmm. since Deepstone Crypt, this is like this and Kingsfall. I didn't really, I didn't do too many runs of Kingsfall. I haven't done too many runs of that. I've done like four or five runs of each. I think um, I want to do more root of nightmares. It's just, I simply have not had the time lately. Um, yeah. Plus like, I mean, I, I've run it. I've run it twice right now. It's not like, I mean, it's a, it's a good raid. It's not the best raid either right it's, it's not a great like great one to get in if you want to raid and you want to bang something out in like 45 minutes that's the raid yeah yeah that's what i'm saying though but it's not like i'm not compelled to quit other games to go do a run of of 
root of nightmares, right? Like I just, I don't know. Like the loot isn't amazing. Oh, disagree. Like, hard not... disagree. Hard mm. disagree. There, loot's mm. fucking phenomenal. Mm. Rufus's and the trace rifle alone are worth doing full runs. The sidearm, okay. yeah, but the sidearm is outstanding. The shotgun is great. Oh man, I could not disagree more. I mean, that's fair. Corey only gets grenade launchers from here on out. That's all. That's all we're giving him, Bungie. No, I think I'm just sour because Fox promised me an exotic and I didn't get it. So, well, I mean, Fox makes a lot of promises he can't keep. Um, mm. Moving on with some of these archetype changes, we got uh, SMGs. Aggressive SMGs have surged in PvP and they need to be brought back into band. We're doing that in a way to keep them viable by reducing both base and crit damage a little, requiring higher precision to reach their optimal time to kill. Base damage reduced from 14, 15 to 14. Uh, and it is literally because of Immortal. The Immortal is such a stat monster that no other aggressive SMG can compete. We brought its range in while allowing it to continue to excel in other areas. Reduced base range value by 10. Um, yeah, just Season of the Immortal in PvP. It's made PvP between that and La Monarch really non-enjoyable this season. Um, especially because you can run both. Sniper rifles. Snipers are a very safe option, and we don't want to make them dominant, but there's some room to bring their damage up to improve their feel in PvE. Rapid-fire sniper rifles also got a large reserves bump and reduced recoil in the Season 20 mid-season balance. We'll keep an eye on this and may bring them up a little more in the future. Increased PvE damage on snipers by 10%. Izanagi's Burden Honed Edge Perk Shots do not receive this buff. All other exotic sniper rifles receive the buff as written. So if you ever felt like you wanted to go run Darcy, there you go. Uh... Scout rifles. Long arm was inadvertently receiving the damage bonus versus minions versus miners for exotics. Uh, so we've addressed that. It still receives the scout rifle PVE damage bump from season twenty. And then here's the meat of it. We've got a lot of changes coming to exotic weapons. Uh, a lot of very specific ones. I'm going to fly through and like kind of give some highlights here. I don't know if we're going to necessarily go through all of these. Um, <laughs> For all five of us who use Eyes of Tomorrow, uh, the multi-target and missile volley and adaptive ordnance exotic traits suggest it should be used to kill groups of enemies, but the rocket launcher ammo economy doesn't allow for that. What if smart use of the weapon against groups refunded ammo? Killing four targets with a missile volley will refund one ammo. I'm actually really excited to use this for ad clear the next time we get a solar-based season. This could be a lot of... I think this could be kind of spicy. This could be a little fun. I'm not going to go run it in something like a GM, but I could very easily see myself running this in uh, like battlegrounds or something. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, Graviton Lance's performance feels exotic, but it was easy to miss out on the full damage of a burst because so much of it was backloaded and we felt the tuning of revision zeros heavy to heavy rounds two burst would be a good fit. Increased RPM from 257 to 300. Rebalanced damage per shot, increased first shot damage on a body shot from 9.5 to 19, crit shot 15.7 to 31.4, and then decreased second shot damage uh, from 35.6 to 25.6 and 58.7 to 42.3. Um, cool. I think Graviton Lance is really fun, but uh, I've kind of struggled to find a place for it in my build as of late. Um, mm hmm. I think with uh, some of the updates to the subclasses, like it's been really, really viable. It's just, I've been having more fun with other void weapons as all. Um, yeah, no, I agree. 
Jade Rabbit, strong PvP scout rifle, but was difficult to keep track of the state of the exotic perk, and refunding a single ammo just wasn't impressive enough for an exotic. These changes make the state clearer and provide more reward for precision. Added buff text to show when Fate of All Fools increased body shot damage is active. Quickly hitting three crits now refunds three shots instead of one. Okay, so this is going to continue terrorizing PvP. Um, this is my go-to in momentum control, so I'm not sure, like, that this is going to do anything for me, but uh, still interested to see how that goes. There's some updates to Manticore. I don't know anybody who uses this weapon. It's there if you want it. Uh, Luminous. Every time I every time I hear this weapon or <laughs> this weapon, I think of uh, I think of that the Disney the Pixar movie Onward. <laughs> For some reason, I do not remember that. a single thing from that movie. I'm going to be real. Wow, well, it's uh one of the characters is the Manticore. Ah, which is kind of funny. That's all. Uh, Luminous Cap on Noble Rounds was 5. While working on Exotic Weapon Reticles, we opted to match Ace of Spades' Memento Mori shot count to prove consistency. Increased Noble Rounds cap from 5 to 6. Cool. Uh, Heart Shadow wasn't hitting the fantasy we wanted to, so we made it easier to exploit the exotic perks. Damage increase now activates quicker when invisible. After 0.25 seconds instead of 1 second, Heart Shadow now weakens upon dealing any damage while the damage increase is active. Uh, there's some stuff about Worldline Zero. You can read that. Sweet Business. Here's the here's the best one. Sweet Business's performance is a lot of fun. We felt we could really plus its fun factor and strength by adding some explosions. Now fires explosive rounds every 20 shots. Fewer shots while fully spun up. Hmm. It's about to be a whole season of Titans with Actium War Rig running around with Sweet Business in PvP. Can't wait. Can't wait to not touch Crucible the entire summer. <laughs> uh, Legend of Acrius hits hard, extremely hard already, dealing some of the highest damage per shot in the game, but its ammo reserves run out fairly quickly and can be right on top of enemies to use it. We've relaxed both of those constraints. Increased total ammo from 12 to 16. Increased maximum projectile distance from 9 meters to 12 meters. Little interested to see these changes. Um, I like having four extra shots. I just don't really know where you use this in today's day and age. It's not right. really drop... I mean, you could probably do it to Nezarak, honestly drop a well and just party um you might be able to do it with atheon i don't know if you can get close enough to atheon uh for it to be viable uh trying to think of who else you could do it with you do the ribbon cheese you might be able to do it with ribbon uh if you run up and shoot the claws a couple dungeon bosses uh keitel keitel uh the duality dungeon would actually be a really good place to go try this i think so this could uh, this could be fun this could be fun with the right build. Um, Tommy's matchbook is all about burning yourself, so we've updated it to let you burn others as well. Uh, the Catalyst has gotten an update. While overheated, sustained fire scorches your target. Every five shots applies 14 plus 7 with Amber of Ashes Fragment. Scorch stacks. Um, no time to explain drone. Would not work against barrier champion shields when it had anti-barrier effects, so we fixed that. We also made the drone work with the Feeding Frenzy perk. <laughs> Updated drone to work with anti-barrier will break barrier champion shields and over-penetrate combat shields. Updated drone Great. to work with the Feeding Frenzy uh, Catalyst. And also resolved an issue where the feedback for Feeding Frenzy would always play when the player spawned and then never again. Some of these Great. changes are fucking wild that we're getting into. Skyburner's Oath Solar 3.0 pass turned out to be too conservative, so we brought it up to be more competitive with too other scorching options. Increased Scorch stacks from 3 to 5 and 5 to 10 with Ember of Ashes equipped. 
Salvation script performance and utility is entertaining and situationally useful, but as a heavy weapon, it really needs to do some damage without compromising its identity. We've rebuilt its functionality using bowling as an inspiration. Reworked to have two firing modes. Charged shot creates a pattern of stasis crystals, and uncharged shot is a normal grenade launcher shot, which does more damage to stasis crystals and frozen targets. Added a new perk that reloads the magazine from from reserves when you quickly shatter at least three crystals with the uncharged shot. That could be really fun. Uh, I know John is excited to go play around with this, and that sounds about right with uh, the Behemoth build that he had. Um, I'm a little interested to play around with this uh, with Hunter Stasis, considering we have the Throwing Stars. Kind of want to see how that's going to go, but I still think that that's a very, like, wacky outlier weapon. Um, Bad Juju fixed an issue that was causing the weapon to recoil like an auto rifle. Uh, Recoil pattern will not be similar to post rifles. Fighting Lion's damage against Red Bar spiked to massive levels due to a recent bug. We've addressed this, but note that it still receives the 40% damage bonus for exotic primary weapons. Uh, and then uh, the Winter Bite exploitable damage bug will be fixed. Uh, and Thunderlord. Thunderlord has surged in popularity with the release of its Catalyst and Season 20 machine gun buff, but it shipped with a bug that allowed lightning strikes at a higher frequency than intended against Divinity Bubbles. We've addressed that. Note that regular crits are not affected by the change. So I don't think this is too big of a change. I don't think this is too massive. But getting those extra lightning strikes was pretty damn helpful. Um, we know that this was the strat for day one Nez. Obviously, it's not going to be as good anymore, but it's still going to be strong. It's still going to be pretty good. And then we've got two, we got two last sections to go. Two small sections. Perks and the future. So Perks. Fragile Focus is fairly potent, but the perk deactivator was very unforgiving. Bonus from Fragile Focus now lasts until Shield Pop returns when Shield regenerates to 100%. Uh, So Fragile Focus is now a good perk. Um, Thresh, Demolitionist, and Pugilist have always granted increased energy on shotgun, fusion, and sniper kills. But Glaive's missed out on that bonus until now. Grants increased energy to Glaive Glaive projectile kills. Very excited. I run Thresh on my Glaives. This is just music to my ears. I love it. Uh, Reconstruction has been simplified under the hood so we can place the perk on more weapons without exceeding perk budgets. This results in a slight change to the timing of the perk where the initial timer and the cooldown timer between reloads have been unified. Four seconds and 3.5 for enhanced. And then Shoot to Loot has now been upgraded to pick up Orbs of Power. Which is uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, currently, it only works on direct hits. The ability for orbs to be picked up with weapon, de- with weapon detonations will be added in a future patch. I don't really use shoot to loot, but I do agree that there is a place for the perk. Being able to pick up things besides just ammo boxes makes sense. It mm. just makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, when we're talking about the future... There's only the there's two things here. There there's two things here that we're going to go into. Uh, they're talking about redesigning how Zoom interacts, damage fall off. That's like really deep shit. Um, you guys can come read this. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this one in the Discord um, when it comes up. There's a big sword update coming with the goal of making guarding substantially more valuable. Good because it's not very valuable right now. Glaives are way better at shielding. In the more distant future. Uh, when they say distant future, I expect this to be like the last season of the year, maybe. <clears throat> like, I think Swords will be next season, not season of the deep, but the season after. I think this uh, this final change, the update to Sparrows, I think is going to be the last season of the year. 
We're working on an update to Sparrows that will allow players to use their favorites instead of always on time without touching always on time itself. So that's been a big complaint is that you have to have that on because it has, you know, it's the fastest Sparrow in the game. You have to have yep. that for these Sparrow parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've personally fared okay, but uh, I can see where it would be helpful. Whew. So that's all the season 21 changes. I'm still a little under the weather, so that was a lot. Um, don't worry, Josh. We only got one more full blog post. Three. Only one more full blog post. We really don't have too much here. Uh, TLDR of season one, 21 changes. You guys can go read that on your own. Uh, among the things that are coming are economy updates, sandbox tuning, um, which we just, we literally just read that whole blog. Abilities tuning, which we talked about last week. Um or two weeks ago, excuse me. Um, that was that was published on May third. I was not here for that episode, but uh, Corey Fox and Ronnie talked about that exotic armor, sure exotic armor tuning. Uh, we talked, I believe, I talked about that the week before, and then yep. uh, quality of life improvements, um, <clears throat> including new Vanguard bounties, uh, Matterweave and Rainmaker uh, consumables, Good Boy Protocol. Uh, and triumphs that will now boost exotic drop rates in uh, various activities uh, are there. And then a whole big blog about Crucible updates uh, was also out there. That was uh, that was also read about. So cool. We're uh, we're good. We're good on that. The new strand aspect. <laughs> we got new strand aspects though. <clears throat> this is this is one of the big. This is one of the two big things here. We got new strand aspects so uh yeah we finally got to see them uh the hunter threaded specter this looks dope as fuck i think this looks amazing activate their class ability to leave behind a decay uh, decoy woven from strand matter that draws the attention of nearby combatants after taking Mm -hmm. significant damage or when combatants approach the decoy detonates dealing damage and releasing threadlings that seek out and attack nearby foes this looks this sounds so cool. This looks I mean, so we, fucking cool. I yeah, I, we talked about it a little bit the week that you weren't here. Yeah, and like this is definitely the best of the three new aspects. I I don't like using dive abilities on my hunter. I've made that really clear. I will immediately be equipping this. This is awesome. This is so cool. I dude. love this. I absolutely love this. Uh, Titan, uh, Fletch at Storm while sliding, mm-hmm. activate your charged melee ability to leap into the air. Knocking nearby targets away and dealing damage. While airborne, activate your charged melee again to launch a cluster of damaging, unraveling projectiles. Repeatedly activating melee will chain additional throws. This, in the little clip, looks fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I it's, love this. It's, it's, I mean... I love here's this. The thing. Here's the thing. As a Titan, all I want is another super where I'm super uncontrollable and just slam things. I mean, this isn't a super, though. This is a melee ability. This is great. Whatever. Whatever. This is great. It's fun. Hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, we'll, we okay, will. Scrooge. We will, we'll, we'll test it out, and I'll let you know. And uh, then you can Scrooge me then. Scrooge. Swim in my big, <clears throat> not money pile, my, tear, my tears of sadness. And then uh, Warlock is getting the Wanderer. Tangles you throw attached to enemies and detonate into a suspending burst. Threadling final blows create a tangle. Um, I think of all the abilities, this is... It's cool, but... uh, Yeah, I'm like the least jazzed about this one. 
It's like this feels like something that should have built in been built into Tangles from the beginning. I don't yeah, know. Probably. I, I don't know. Most, yeah, I I kind of agree with you, to be honest. It's it's fine. It's the most underwhelming of the three, though, I think, like far and away. Yeah. Titan's got something cool. Hunter's got something cool. Warlock's got something that should just be built into Tangles for everybody. Um, our last big thing. For being a Warlock. We, we have a couple big things left here in the block. God, I actually forgot how long the TWAB is this week. Uh, we have the new artifact coming. Going to fly through these real quickly. Um, of course, our anti-champion mods for this next season are going to be Fancy Barrier Auto Rifle, Unstoppable Hand Cannon, Overload Scout, Overload Trace, Unstoppable Glaive. Glaives again! I'm so excited. <clears throat> I love glaives. Glaives. I love glaives. A um, little less jazzed about anti-barrier auto, I'm not going to lie. I think that's really aggravating. Um, but I'll take that over overload. Uh, overload trace is going to be awesome. Cold heart is going to be such a good choice this next season. Yeah, it's, I think it's time to whip. I'm trying to whip that up. Uh, Cold Heart's going to be really good. And um, oh, God, what's the other one? There's a legendary arc one, and I'm uh, completely blanking on the name right now. I'm sure John's going to listen to this and remind me of what it is. He's screaming at you right he, now. He literally is. Um, our authorized mods are going to be Arc, Void, Strand, and Melee, uh, along with Technicolor Siphon. Grants access to helmet armor mods to combine the effects of Strand and Arc Siphon. Uh, so pretty excited for those. Um, I like that they're still going to have a little bit of Void. That's That's very fun. Uh, column three, your un improved unraveling increases the amount of damage dealt by unraveling a target. Deeper Origins greatly benefits, uh, improves the benefits provided by Unstated Hunger, Nanotech, Tracer Rockets, Harmonic Resonance, and Noble Deeds traits. Uh, Unto the Breach, defeating a Void debuff target creates a Void Breach while your Void subclass is equipped. Very excited. Uh, Electric Armor stayed amplified longer while your Arc subclass is equipped. Thunderous Retort grant, grants bonus arc super damage if cast while critically wounded or while amplified. Lasts until the end of the super uh, activation. Those two, Electric Armor and Thunderous Retort, are going to be absolutely essential for any arc build next season. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely, yeah, you're picking those and you're picking Arc Siphon. Hands down, you're getting, mm -hmm. you're going to equip those three. Uh, Strand Soldier, your Strand weapons gain unraveling rounds when you gain woven mail while your Strand subclass is equipped. Overcharged Armory, uh, the same perks we talked about above. Unstated Hunger, Nanotechs, uh, Harmonic Resonance, and Noble Deeds are always overcharged weapons for you when that modifier is active. Uh, Protective Breach, picking up a Void Breach gives you an Overshield or refreshes your existing Overshield. Uh, Countercharge, here we go. Gain a stack of Armor Charge when you stun champions. And Amped yeah. Up, gain damage resistance while amplified. Uh, again, very excited. This is the, uh, this is the hold... Uh, Hold movement key class. Uh, and then the final one. Conductive Cosmetic Needle. Targets affected by strain debuffs take increased damage from arc and void abilities. Shock and awe. Arc final blows while you're amplified summon a burst of lightning that damages and jolts targets. I will absolutely be running this with Icolos SMG. Uh, Supernova. Picking up a void breach causes your next source of void damage to create a large weakening pulse. I'm really excited for this one. Squad yeah, goals. Yeah, seems... Squad goals. <laughs> Performing a finisher while you are amplified grants amplified to nearby allies while your art class is equipped. Performing a finisher while you have woven mail grants woven mail to nearby allies when strand is equipped. Performing a finisher when you have devour 
grants devour to nearby allies when your void subclass is equipped. Very excited to see some of the fire team combos that we see for uh, this dungeon coming out of this perk alone. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And then lightning strikes twice. After throwing an arc grenade, gain increased grenade recharge for a short time. Arc final blows extended duration of this benefit. You know how we got that nerf to storm grenades? I don't know if it was going to be enough with this perk coming into play. Yeah. Uh, I think these are some fun ones. Nothing really like, aside from squad goals, uh, nothing is, squad goals and counter charge are very exciting for me. Nothing is instantly like, oh my god, this is like Bricks from Beyond 2.0 or like, um, I forget what the exact perk was, but like if you broke uh, void shields with volatile rounds or like uh, you had inherently volatile and you broke void shields, you created orbs every time you broke a shield with void weapons. That's why I was doing like 160 orbs per battleground earlier this season. Uh, nothing that immediately catches my eyes like that. I think they knew they couldn't give us another perk like that. But uh, still very excited to run around my uh, my beloved Ikelos SMG and uh, Thunderlord. I think that this is going to be a really fun season uh, to use a lot of those weapons that uh, that either grant you you know lightning or um, that grant you uh, volt shot. Uh, I'm gonna bust out my Brigand's Wall again, uh, my uh, sidearm that I liked so much, and uh, see where it goes. I just I don't know how much I'm gonna be able to. Do. I'm gonna have to get an arc glaive. I'm gonna have to start running arc glaives. Nezrax Whisper is going to have to come out of the vault. Do it. And then, do it. Uh, do it. Do it. Uh, <laughs> updates to enemy elemental shields. Uh, we're changing how enemy shields look. Uh, over the past few years, we've introduced numerous changes to the core game experiences. We've overhauled internal systems as well as endeavored to make the game more accessible to our audience. This touches on both of those topics. Uh, so it's a visual only change. It's not changing the actual gameplay. Uh, I actually really like the change to shields. Um, it looks like they have like this just aura around them instead of this big fucking Campbell soup can. Um, given the majority of these shields have been in service since 2017, the number of bespoke combatant shields has become more difficult to maintain as we've significantly expanded the number of enemy combatants in the game. To address this challenge, we've made a large backend shift to a new shield system that will be easier to maintain and improve upon, which brings us to our next point, accessibility. We took the opportunity to create visuals that are more accessible for colorblind players and players with other visual impairments. We've minimized visual information that is not relevant to gameplay in favor of bringing up the foreground, more combat-relevant details. Uh, cool. That's that's fine. Like, cool. Uh, we'd like to note that immunity shields, white shields, and shields for specific boss encounters will not be receiving this update due to their slightly more complicated nature. We avoided making any broad changes which could unintentionally impact encounter mechanics, designs, etc. Uh, cool. Fantastic. Uh, and a note from the engineering team on stabilization. Oh boy. I, uh, I've been wanting to talk about this because the game's crashed a lot this season. Oh boy. Has it's it has been pulled offline for emergency maintenance more this season than I think I've seen in, uh, almost 10 years of the franchise. Yeah. I, I mean, why? I mean, why now? Though? Well, you know, I'm going to read about it right here. As part Great. of the work to prepare for Lightfall, we embarked on a large technical upgrade to improve our Destiny 2 services and hardware. This work included updating our services to use new technology as well as preparing for hardware upgrades. In the long run, this investment in the back end of Destiny 2 should lead to a more stable and reliable experience for all players and faster recovery in instances where service downtime does occur. The launch of Lightfall was a great example. This was high stability and uptime for both launch day and the Root of Nightmares world first race. Uh, however... As millions of players have interacted with these services, we have discovered some issues that we are working on addressing. A prime example of this is our background service update system. 
typically several days before one of our Tuesday updates, we will stage the update on our servers. This upgrades our backend services to the new version and means that during the Tuesday patch, we will only take a brief amount of downtime before letting players back into the game. However, with new libraries and code, we discovered cases where the backend update uh, has put our services into a bad state, forcing us to bring Destiny 2 offline for extended maintenance. So what are we doing about this? We have a team focused on making corrections to new services so we can safely perform background updates again. However, while we do that work, we want to make sure your Destiny 2 experience is as predictable as possible. Therefore, starting with Season of the Deep's launch, update 7.1.0, we are moving to a scheduled downtime model where we bring Destiny 2 offline for 1.5 hours on our update days. This allows us to do our staging and rollout on the same day and should make the experience more stable and reliable. In the meantime, we will continue to monitor performance, upgrade hardware, increase service reliability, and work to give you a great experience each and every time you play the game. Hmm. So yeah, fucking around on the back end. Um, you know, we've, we've thrown this phrase, this phrase around spaghetti code. It doesn't really mean anything, but just things are very jumbled back there. They're trying to, you know, make this run across hardware that was developed in, uh, you know, like 2011 versus uh, hardware that is uh, new. I uh, they're trying to go all the way from like base Xbox one to uh 4090s. So I can imagine how that uh, might stretch your game a little thin. God, just cut off the old systems at this point. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I know they're not going to after the fight. Yeah. After the final, if, stage, if you were, like... if you didn't do it for a light ball, you're not going to do it now. Uh, that's yeah. just my, my, my two cents. I think Lightfall was kind of a good chance to do it. Um, but yeah, nothing we can really say on that. We, we don't work on servers. So cool. I'll take you for your word, Bungie. Uh, Guardian Games are coming to an end. I know people who work on servers. If you, not, not gaming servers, but you know. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Anyways, um, <laughs> we uh, there, there's a new thing introducing Asians at Bungie. May is Asian American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Proud to introduce Asians at Bungie. Uh, began at the end of 2021 in response to the rising discrimination and violence against Asian communities. Their mission is to uplight their up uplift their fellow employees provide Bungie diverse insight of uh, asian american and native hawaiian pacific islander culture and to support local communities after many rounds of discussing creative directors revising changes and generous support from internal inclusion diversity and equality uh, and equity and consumer products teams they're ready to debut the stand with asians pin and accompanying harmonic waves emblem uh, it's a beautiful pin and emblem i love that emblem um, yeah it's super cool very I cool. sent it. I I sent it to uh, I sent it to Stephanie because mm-hmm. uh, she's she's half Chinese, and I sent it to her, and she thought it was like one of the coolest things she'd ever seen. And she doesn't even care about Destiny at all. It's very cool. I mean, they, they're always they're always doing something like this. I really like it. Uh, for the month of May, all proceeds from Stand with Asians Pin will go to the International Community Health Services, a nonprofit healthcare organization based in Seattle that welcomes people of all backgrounds in need of care. Celebrating its 50th anniversary, ICHS was formed in 1973 by young Asian American activists to disrupt the systemic racism that denied health to Asian immigrant communities. Today, ICHS remains deeply rooted in the Asian Pacific Islander community and continues to serve immigrant and refugee patients in over 70 languages. They have been a leading voice in challenging anti-Asian hate and championing health equity for communities of color. Uh, so very excited for that. That's that's very cool. Uh, orders will open for that pin on May 23rd. Um, and the emblem will be available without a pin purchase starting May 23rd directly through the Bungie Foundation for 
All donations received to the Bungie Foundation in May will support ICHS. Um, a new emblem for gifting Twitch subs. Cool. Um, that I guess that's a cool emblem. Whatever. Um, yeah. Cool. Emblems, everybody. Cool. Emblems, everyone. Uh, as we approach the end of season Are of... We... Before you, before you, before we move on, yes. Not, not that I don't appreciate a good emblem, but are we tired of emblems? Like, are we, are we tired of emblems? Kind of. Um, I mean, I've I got to the point years ago where I can't possibly show off all the emblems that I like that I have, but I don't think I'm tired of it. I still think it's a cool way to like, hey, this is like a little thing acknowledging something. Um, you can't make a ship or a sparrow for everything. Yeah. So I think I think emblems are probably the most cost-effective way to like recognize something in the game, and I think it's the the coolest way to have like some dramatic flair on your profile because somebody hovers over your name. That's what that's the first thing they see. Yeah. So I I yeah. still I still like it. I like the idea of there being like, oh, I had to be at this specific place at this specific time to get this. Yeah. Um. I, I, I don't know. I would like for them to like do animated emblems in the future. Maybe uh, by the time we get Destiny 3, they'll, uh, I know I'm giving them ideas here. Uh, it's not something that Free hasn't, ideas. it's not something that hasn't floated around Destiny Twitter for years. Uh, animated emblems could be really cool. Um, I think that's like the next logical step. Um, yeah. It would be really fun, but I think you got, you got to be off this engine before you can do it. Um, or at least this yeah. iteration of it. I think you have to like fully make the jump to current gen hardware. Um. Yeah. As we approach the end of Season of Defiance, players should ensure they have collected any earned but unclaimed rewards from their previous season page for Season of the Seraph. Uh, previous season pass rewards can only be claimed up to one season after a season concludes. Once we transition into Season of the Deep, previous season pass page will be updated for Season of Defiance rewards, unless you have Chrome extension. Uh, players should also ensure they have claimed any rewards from Tower and Helm vendors, since those rewards will reset when Season 21 launches. That's interesting. I did not think they were going to reset the Season of Defiance uh, Engrams. Yeah, that seems... So, if you have, like, 200 of them, like I do, I would strongly recommend going and turning all of those in and getting all your free Legendary Shards. Yikes. Yeah, I'll be in the Helm. Yeah. I'll be in the helm for a little while uh, on Sunday afternoon doing that. I'll be in the helm if you need me, guys. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Oof. Um, and I, God, I think that I think that's all we have. I'm what? So, no. I'm so excited. I think that's all we have. No. Come on. We spent we spent less time on the blogs than we did on Zelda. Almost. I mean, that's okay. I mean, that, like, we just kind of flew fair. through it. I can feel, I can feel, uh, my, uh, my voice kind of like wavering a little bit. So, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, yeah. I may not have too much left in my voice. I need, I think I may need to go back to the doctor. My medication is almost out and, uh, my cough has not exactly gotten better. So yeah, very frustrating. I paid $45 for antibiotics and they have not helped. We do. Have Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really annoyed with uh the clinic I went to. So my girlfriend is going to her doctor tomorrow and hopefully she gets well, but uh I may have to go around but go back for another two hundred dollar visit to the clinic. I hate not having health insurance. Um yeah. 
We have a couple of questions tonight. Uh, literally, we had two questions. Uh, Joe writes in and asked us, uh, since we know we won't have a seasonal progression upgrade system next season, how do you think we will upgrade and acquire new things? I genuinely have no idea. I have no idea. They just said that it was going to be different. Uh, I'm keeping an open mind. We'll see on Tuesday. I kind of hoped they would tell us today. Yeah. But we didn't get that. We didn't get a trailer. I expect there to be a trailer uh, Monday morning. Monday morning or Tuesday. I guess Tuesday when downtime happens. I don't know. I I thought for sure we were going to see uh, see a trailer before this season came out. Yeah, I really thought we were too. I mean, we kind of we had that seven second teaser. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> well, you wanted a trailer. There, that it was. doesn't count. I know. I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you, Josh. I would rather yeah. have nothing than that. I'm gonna be real. Yeah, that was. Uh, I didn't really understand the point of that, but nor did I. Nor did I. Uh, and then we have uh, we have one more question from yeah. from Knox. Uh, Guardians are well known to be war criminals. This is starting off what? great. Guardians are well known to be war criminals. What is the weapon or armor you believe most violates or violates the most statutes of the Geneva Convention? Hmm. So I'm going to offer you a few. I mean, Thunderlord literally rains lightning down on people. Yeah, that's true. Um, Jotun is a uh, heavily modified kitchen appliance that uh, burns and tortures people to death. It chases people. Telesto. Telesto just breaks everything. Telesto is sentient. Yeah. Telesto probably has to probably has to be the answer, realistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really the only correct answer. Divinity, you can trap people in a time bubble. It's true. True. Time bubbles. A thousand voices. A thousand voices could be up there. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. Gallhorn, maybe. Nah. I, if we're gonna go with a rocket launcher, I think Eyes of Tomorrow is worse. Yeah. But... It's a bunch of mini homing rockets that now burn you, and yeah, you get I mean, refunded that's... ammunition for every four people you kill. It's true. Eyes of Tomorrow coming in with a very, very late victory because of today, because of today's <laughs> blog. Um, as far as armor, I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, it's not the helm of Saint Fourteen. It's not the helm of Saint Fourteen. Um, <laughs> My Antaeus Wards may dude, be a contender here. Dude marchers. God. <laughs> The Lightning Trail. I'm going with the I'm going with Thunderlord and Jotun as my picks here. Yeah. Telesto, I, mean, I think, has to win by default, though. Yeah. I mean Telesto's my pick. It's always my pick. Always. Oh my gosh. Every time every time I every time I put Dune Marchers and uh Telesto on, Mitch just makes fun of me the whole time. I mean, you're gonna be responsible for breaking the servers one day, so I know. Josh, I forgot to tell you. Oh god, that was very excited. You I got the cowboy me? hat. You finally got the cowboy hat. I finally got my cowboy hat. Corey is the one person I know who is still running this dungeon, desperately trying to get his cowboy hat. I mean, we aren't even running the whole dungeon. We're running to the first encounter and doing it, and if we didn't get it, we just restart it. Oh my god. 
Uh, Ridiculous. You know what's funny, though? You know what's funny? The night I got it, we had literally set it aside. Like, we're like, because we, I feel like we were the only two people on the, in the entire planet that don't have the cowboy hat from this dungeon. We literally set aside. We're like, this is the night we're going to grind for the cowboy hat. I don't care how dumb we look or sound. We're going to get it. And we set aside like three or four hours to go do this. Oh, right? my God. We did it on the first the first run. And we were like, well, now what do we do? Because I like, so, so I I have fallen out of love with the cowboy hat. So I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I just wanted it to to have it. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I got to with it because I didn't get it like my first six runs. And then I finally got it. I think I've worn it once since getting it. And that's yeah. mainly because I don't like that it's attached to the hunter cloak. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really hate week. I really hate that because I don't like that's the cloak. dumb. I don't like the cloak. I don't like that it's attached to that. The, the upside is I can wear it with any helmet. But the cloak yeah. is really dumb. So I feel like my fashion game is going to be bad. Yeah. I I'm sh- I can't believe it's attached to your cloak. I, I guess because your hood's up. I guess. Yep. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. This would have been a great opportunity for a hoodless cloak, though, guys. Yeah, like a cape. Y'all keep asking yeah. for these, and we keep saying no. Yeah, I'm just uh, you know, you should probably do the thing. Oh my that's god! All that's all. That's all I'm saying, Josh. Do we have anything else, Corey? Is there anything else going on in Destiny Land? I mean, not not really. I mean, we're just kind of gonna go do the do the seasons seasons and the changes and the Guardian games almost over and you know just, Guardian uh, games. This is the least engaged I've been with one of these little seasonal events in a hot minute. Yeah, it's really Zelda's well. Fault, I I mean, I didn't really participate much in Solstice last year either, to be completely honest. Yeah, I did enough to get the title, which means that this year, since I already have the title, I probably won't care. Yeah, um, I mean that's fair though, right? I mean that's that seems fair. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe by uh, maybe by the time Solstice rolls around at the beginning of August, I'll be out of my little funk. Um, yeah. I am looking forward to playing some more Destiny. I just this was uh, th- this was a really rough season uh, in my personal life, so uh, Destiny has usually been my escape. But I just like kind of pulled back from everything and uh, got a nice, nice long break in. But I'm I'm jonesing to be playing some Destiny, so uh, I'll be around when I'm not busy uh, cooking up a storm in Hyrule. Yeah, it's uh, saving sanctuary. I'm, yeah, I'm actually like. I'm quite ready to go play after we're done recording. Um, just because I'm, I'm ready to progress in this game because I have been dicking around for so long. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to, ready to progress in the game uh, a bit more myself, go do some more shrines, but uh, I'm very jazzed that we're going back to Titan. That's really exciting for me. Destiny wise. Um, this is kind of what we hoped that seasonal content could be. Eventually was going to destinations. Um, even if that means the destination likely gets vaulted again after uh, Final Shape comes out, so be it. Uh, they're going to achieve their thing of, hey, when you go back, we want it to be a brand new experience. Um, mm-hmm. So really looking forward to see what that looks like. Um, still holding out hope that Sabathun's song comes back as a strike, even though I'm pretty sure it won't. So I can still hold out hopes. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where this goes. We've, we've got that. We've got the new strand aspects. We've got the uh, the quest that's going to hit Neomuna on Tuesday as well. It's supposed to start giving us more information about the veil. Very excited. We could have a very, very 
deep lower corner next week, or it could be a big nothing burger. Lower corner will come back next week. I promise. We are yeah. bringing it back. Um, I'm going to finally, like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to map out some, uh, some lower corners for us for the summer. Um, this season there, there was a bunch of lore and there also wasn't. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like the lore we did talk about was kind of dense, but there wasn't a lot to like go through. You know what I mean? It's one of those. I need to sit down and go through it more in depth. Maybe we'll circle back around to some of it, especially the Nezarak lore. Maybe we'll circle back to uh, eventually. We'll see how that goes. So, Corey, why don't yep. you get us on out of here? Let's do it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's Zelda time. So uh, I want to thank everybody for watching and are listening to this episode of Tower Casuals. You can follow us on the socials at Tower Casuals. Join the Discord uh, if you want real, meaningful social media conversations. That's where we'll be uh josh thank you for your time tonight as always uh thanks for the uh zelda chat at the beginning i love zelda so much i know i I do too where can we where can we find you uh i mean you can still find me on twitter at josh underscore finn i'm probably very upset still about (laughs) the uh spurs getting uh a third all-time center in a row yeah um fucking ludicrous that they've only been in the lottery seven times and have gotten three first round picks out of that they've never been bumped down once that's so funny. I man. was very upset when I found out that the uh, the Mavs were one number away from jumping into the top four. Yeah, weren't, weren't, wasn't there only like a 0.3% you almost got it? Uh, there was a 3% chance that we could jump up. To the, 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 there was a 3% chance for the number one pick. There was a 12% chance we would jump to the top four. We were one yeah. number off from jumping to the top four. Um, yeah. Which, depending on which number it was, may have hurt more. But... Uh, would have been a way to, you know, get an all-time asset or, you know, trade it for someone really good. But no, we can't have nice things here in Dallas. Uh, we at least kept our pick and did not give it to the New York Knicks. So. For now. Uh, no, next year they get it. They get it next year uh, because uh, as our GM came out and said, uh, this is the first and last time I plan on being on this stage. Uh, we have a top five player in the world in Luka. We don't plan on being back here. On the other hand, uh, Wemby has already told teams that uh, he's already told San Antonio he plans to win a championship ASAP. So uh, good luck with that one. Uh, I know they have a bunch of draft picks, but good luck. Have fun. I will not be rooting for your future success. You're in my fucking division, and I really wanted him to go to Detroit or Charlotte. Well, you know. (laughs) You know. (sighs) Sorry, man. This is a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe. Have you seen who's in the West? This is a catastrophe. It's true. It's true. Uh, it's all right. There's uh, everybody's talking about trading Donovan Mitchell now in Cleveland. So, Unbelievable. You know. Unbelievable. We have a lightly used Davis Bertans and Tim Hardaway Jr. that we'll give you for him. <laughs> Cleveland, man. Cleveland fans are dumb. Uh, you can find me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can, uh, I don't know. You can find me anywhere else on the internet. I don't know. I <laughs> Thanks for watching, listening, whatever. Until next week, we love you. Goodbye.